This is class four, CD two of four. Page 77. This is the earnings archives. It's found under earnings at briefing.com. And we're, I'll show you what we're going to do with this all together here. Understand, I only printed off just one page for example purposes. You can see at the bottom that there were, it was continuing, but I didn't print off but the one page. What you do in doing the research here, when you get the earnings archive sheet, you want to find the oldest complete date on that sheet. So for this example, the oldest complete date is May 6, 1999. Everybody see that? Yes? Okay. When you go to get the historical quotes for your research, you want to pull historical quotes from one month, four weeks, in front of that oldest date. So we would be pulling quotes from what? April 6th, 1999 to the current day that you're doing the research. Everybody understand? You're going to pull up those quotes. We're going to talk about that in a minute. What, and please, it amazes me how many people that want to succeed at this think they can take shortcuts and get there. What you're to do is exactly what I tell you to do, okay? You don't put this on an Excel spreadsheet. You print this off. You print it off. Not a single person that has ever put it on an Excel spreadsheet has succeeded at this. Not one. I've been doing this for over seven years. Not one. Print it off. Print it off. Now, when you get it printed off, you're going to go, the dates that you see on this page are the dates of earnings release. Okay? Past earnings releases. Earnings were released, if we look here, January 15, 2003. Earnings were released on that day. As you go across to the right, you see after. It was released after the market closed on January 15, 2003. Everybody see that? Okay. These are actual earnings releases from the past. You want three different color highlighters. Once you have that quote sheets printed off, you're going to go, first of all, Highlight these dates on those quote sheets in red. You would highlight these dates in red because that's when earnings is coming out. That is absolutely the end of the window. Do you understand? Okay, that's the end. end. Stop. That's the end. Okay. Then you're going to go count 20 days in front of that, and you're going to highlight that date in green. That's the beginning of your window. Do you understand? Now you're looking for plays inside that window. Movement. Movement in the quotes. Consecutive days that go up. Okay? Days and after days after days where you have a general increasing. Closing prices is what you're looking at there. Closing prices are what you're looking at there. Now, I said we have three highlighters. Yes? 
when you, you're going to look at the, the red highlighted date, which was when earnings came out, everybody understand? You're going to count beyond that six weeks, 30 days, okay? And you're going to highlight that in a different color. I don't care what the color is, okay? Yellow. Because there are patternable earnings trades following earnings just as certainly as there are going into earnings. As a matter of fact, it's easier to find patternable plays post-earnings than it is pre-earnings as far as the majority of stocks go. There's about, I would, I would estimate somewhere 65 to 70 percent of stocks have some kind of movement going into earnings, and as many as 90 to 95 percent have some kind of movement after earnings. Okay? Now, please listen when I talk about that post-earnings potential play. Too many students get locked into the next day. I'm not talking about the activity the next day. Not even the day after that. I'm talking about looking at that six-week window for plays. Not the six hours the next day, but the six-week window after earnings. Now, let's think about this. When earnings are released, one of two things take place. The company meets earnings or misses. That's one thing. Meeting earnings in today's society is the same thing as not getting the job done. So meeting or missing earnings release is one thing, okay? Beating the estimate is the other thing. It's only going to be one or the other. They're either going to meet or miss, or they're going to beat. As you look at this archive here, and look at uh, January 15, 2003, come across after the market closed, said the actual was 30 cents. Everybody see that? Okay. The, the Multex or Zach's estimate was 28 cents. Everybody see that? That means they beat earnings. So when you were, and I'm not going to tell you what this stock was, but when you go look up this particular stock, you would know on January 15th, that earnings release beat earnings. So then you're looking post-earnings for six weeks. What happens when they beat earnings over a six-week period of time? Stepping back and looking at that big picture, not six hours the next day, but over the six weeks, what takes place? And you're going to see, okay, it goes up for three or four days. Then it falls for seven days. And then it rockets up for the next four weeks. Hmm. We wouldn't play the three or four days up. We might play the seven days down. But by golly, you can bet your mama we're going to play the next big move back up. Think. Write them down. There are plays to play going into earnings. There are plays to play coming out of earnings. If they missed, if they just made it or missed, we go, okay, they just made it or missed. What takes place? And you watch how that activity takes place over the six weeks. And you can see, okay, if they miss, this is what happens, this is what happens, this is what happens. There are plays there. There are plays there. With earnings, with the pre-earnings play and the post-earnings play, you got something to play all the time. 
I love playing earnings because of that, because of that, okay? You print it out and you highlight those dates and then you look for opportunities on the quotes first. Turn to page 78. We're going to look at the quote sheet here. Now, this quote sheet comes from Yahoo Finance, okay? When you go to Yahoo Finance to start with, to look up the quotes, the quotes that are here on the lower two-thirds of this page aren't going to be there. Just that rectangular block at the top, that's all that's going to be there. When you go there originally, that's all that's going to be there. Now, we're going to start with the information in that page. It says start date. If we were using the dates from the previous page, the archives, okay, the oldest date we had was, what, May 6, 1999. Everybody understand? So we want to go one month in front of that. So we would say April 6, 1999. Everybody understand? So April 6, 1999 would be our start date. That's what we'd put in there. Everybody understand? The end date would be whatever today's day is you're doing the research. Then to the right, it says daily, weekly, monthly, and dividends. Everybody see that? You have to have that, that circle in front of daily. It's got to have a black dot in there. Sometimes it will already. Sometimes it won't. Then next to where it says ticker symbol, I've already typed in QLogic so these quotes would show up, but you have to type in the ticker symbol. Okay, in this case, QLogic, QLGC, IBM, IBM. Okay, whatever you're going to research, you type in the ticker symbol right there. Then it's got that little button there that says get data. Everybody see that? You click on get data, and then the quotes show up. Everybody follow me? Now, here's what you do next. First of all, you make sure you have a lot of ink and paper in your printer. Okay? And when the quotes show up, the first thing you do, you go hit print. Then you scroll down to the bottom of the page, and it's not, it's not shown down here, but you scroll down to the bottom of the page, and there'll be a button down there that says next 200. Okay? Not 200 pages, next 200 quotes. Okay? And you click on next 200. When that page loads up, you hit print. When that page loads up, you come down to the bottom, you hit next 200. When it loads up, you come up and hit print. Come down to the bottom of the page, next 200. And you keep hitting that next button and print until there ain't a next. You print them all out. You print them all out. You're going to have a file per company. You're going to have a file per company, okay? Now, you print them all out. Then you take your highlighters and you go through the dates and you highlight the dates that are in there. Then you start studying the window, the window in front of it. God bless you. And then the window after looking for, hey, it ran up four or five days right here. That's probably play. Let's, look, let's mark that down. Mark the date down on a separate sheet of paper. Okay. Then it came back down. Down can be a play in front of earnings. It went down four or five days. It went down four or five days. Then on the charts you get to use, you go look and see, could you see that trade on the chart you get to use? If you couldn't see it on the chart you get to use, that's not a play for you. It's not a play. You have to be able to see it on the charts you use. Okay? And the objective is to have 30 companies per earning season 
with potential plays with the objective of doing 10 to 15 of those plays every earnings season. Now, it's going to take time, about four and a half to five hours per company to go through all those quotes, studying it, and getting it done correctly. The beauty of that, and if you just think the thought, think the process through, the work done correctly once is done permanently. You don't have to redo the earnings research. You just have to do it correctly once. If you do that, it's done. It's done. I've played some of the same earnings plays I researched seven years ago. Still play them today, okay? The prices are different, but the period of movement is the same. I played the same stuff I've played seven years ago. Now, there's new stocks that have come out during that time that I play too, okay? But I only had to do the research on that company because it was new. You know, understand what I'm saying? You know? Played Yahoo seven years ago, play Yahoo now. Prices are different, but the, the movement, the time of the movement was the same. Easy, easily, easily done. I've got a student in Richmond, just so you understand what you're looking at. It's too many people come across a lot of times with, like, I didn't prepare you for the work that's going to be there. I'm trying to, okay? I've got a student in Richmond, retired guy now. Been retired, this August will be three years. He has three, three-drawer filing cabinets full of nothing but earnings research. It's all that's in them. Yeah? Because, my gosh, that's an awful lot of work. Money's good, though. Money's way good. Money is way good. Yeah? It's, it's, it, it's just, it's funny to me. Um, I had conversations with some students just a few weeks ago that, you know, had a $30,000 week. And they said, we're, we're losing perspective of what normal is. Because, you know, the average working day person, you know, three to five hundred, maybe a thousand dollars a week, you know, uh, I mean, some of you do a little bit better than that, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's normal, you know? No, that's their normal. They said, they said, well, I don't know what normal is anymore. Normal is whatever you make now. And I said, understand, 30000 a week, it's all a matter of perspective. If you're making three hundred a week, 30000 a week looks like way down the road. Do you understand? Okay. Bill and Melinda Gates last year gave away a million dollars a day every calendar day. Gave it away. Do you understand $30,000 a week from where they're standing is poverty? Do you understand? It's, it's a point on the line. It's just your perspective of that from where you're standing on the line looking at it. Okay? At 30000 a week, you can only feel superior to other people if you are looking back at them. Okay? If you're looking toward where Gates is, you've got a long road to hoe. Do you understand? Okay? You can only feel superior by looking back at people that aren't where you're at. The objective is to constantly be looking toward Gates. That is the goal, to knock him off. Okay? That is the goal. Okay? You will not feel superior, but you will also never feel like you've arrived because you're, you're chasing that direction. Do you understand? And normal is wherever you are on the line at the time. 
That's normal. You know? And part of my task is to expand your um, understanding of what's possible to be normal for you. A lot of you settled for a nice lifestyle because you look back around at people weren't where you are and felt, hey, I feel pretty good. But you see, you, you wouldn't turn around and look back the right direction because Gates is way down there. You know, I mean, one of my goals in my lifetime is to have a greater net worth than Warren Buffett before I die. I just wish he would. <laughs> no, not really. You know, it'd just be easier to get to if he'd stop, you know what I'm saying? You know, but, I mean, that's the goal. And, and so that's, that's the objective. I'm, I'm constantly looking there. So, you know, I don't look back at folks that work at Firestone. You know, I'm looking toward there. And I don't feel superior to anybody because he's so much better than where I am. Do you understand? So it's just a point on the line, but it's real easy to um, feel like you've arrived if you look at that spot that you are and look back at other folks and, hey, I can stop now. But see, you want to make sure that you stay focused in the right direction so that you're challenged to arrive. Okay? There's only two places you arrive in the grave and in heaven or hell, period, okay? That's it. That's the only two arrival points, okay? That's the only two arrival points. So understand that, you know? You're never going to arrive except in the grave and hopefully in heaven. And if you don't know how to make that decision, you come see me later and we'll talk about that. I'll buy you a book that'll help, okay? But understand, that is the arrival that we're trying for. That is the arrival, okay? It's a never-ending journey to that place, okay? But that's the only arrival point. Now, when you're looking at these quotes, you're studying them for movement, closing prices, consecutive days, or almost consecutive days, because every day isn't going to go your way, but consecutive areas of days where you see a movement in one direction or the other that you can possibly trade. But also pay attention for any anomalous stuff that you have no idea why it's there. One of the students that took the class literally in in very early 1998 um, doing earnings research found a company at that time that first, somewhere between the third and the seventh of every single month, it spiked up $7. And then it fell $7 immediately after that. And then somewhere between the 20th and 25th, it spiked up $5 and then immediately fell $5. And she immediately started trading that. She calls, $7 up, puts $7 down, calls, $5 up, puts $5 down. Month after month after month after month. She never traded it for earnings. It didn't move going into earnings, but it made those two moves. Month after month after month. And she traded those movements. Now, she wasn't an engineer. Because an engineer would move heaven and earth to find out why that was happening. You know, I've had engineers come up and go, I know why that's happening. I said, outstanding. You know, how much money have you made figuring that out? None, but I know why. That's why you're broke. Why isn't it important? Just does it happen? And while it's happening, we're going to trade it. I don't care why. 
I don't care why. I just want to see it happen, see it set up on the charts, and I'm going to do it until it stops happening. Period. Period. Okay? So you want to look for anomalous things there. You also want to go through and look as you're paying attention to it, as you do your journals, as you're paying attention to economic reports that move markets one way or another. You know, you know Alan Greenspan, you know, Fed meeting. Hey, how's that stock move going into, coming out of there? You can look at those dates in there. How's it acting the first of the month, middle of the month? How's it acting, you know, in each, each beginning month of a quarter? How's it act going into there? You know, there are a lot of things that you can figure out studying those quotes. One, just one of the reasons why it isn't in an Excel spreadsheet is you don't get to take your Excel spreadsheet to the bathroom with you. Something to read, something to study. Constantly studying and researching those moves. Now, page 78 tells you to go to page 150 in the appendix. Now, what we're looking at here is earnings, right-hand side of page, candlestick area, says E there, okay? This is an updated chart. This was for um, this year. Where the E is is where earnings came out for this stock, okay? This is QLogic. If you look around the 7th of January, 1-7, you see the Christmas cross is going up, MACD's going up, directional indicators going up, stock our side of the lines are crossing going up there, yes? Okay. Trade could be done there, comes back down, you know, MACD's still okay, we're okay, we're still in the trade. You could wait until the 11th and gotten in that trade. Everything crossing going up on the 11th. Everybody see that? Yes. Going up, being in that trade. Taking it up until somewhere around the uh, 14th. See that it went up from about the 11th to the 14th? Yes. Okay. Do you see that it didn't get much higher after the 14th? Yes. Just went sideways. Yes. Even though earnings was coming out, it didn't get appreciably higher. You don't have to stay in the play till the earnings is released. You pay attention to the evidence. It's up, would you say that's at the top of the Bollinger Bands? Hello? <clears throat> nice profit. Time to go. Time to go. Okay. Now, do you see where the E is? Yes? Hmm. Historically... Historically, this stock falls after earnings. Did it fall here after earnings? No. No, it didn't fall here after earnings. Okay? It went, what? Up after earnings. The history can be wrong. Maybe right, maybe wrong would be a high-risk trade. Do you understand? The history oh, goes down after earnings. 
getting in a play in front of that could be a high-risk trade. Do you understand? The rule says you get out of your trades going into earnings. Do you understand? You could, on your research, if the charts were in position, if the charts were in position, you could get in a trade just before earnings comes out. If you had enough history to back that up and the charts were in place to do that, but you would have to understand it, was a, it would be a what? High-risk trade because it could still go either way after earnings. Everybody understand? Could go either way. Remember, Dell beat earnings. Dell Dale said they were going to beat earnings. Stock still tanked. Do you understand? Anything bought just before the earnings comes out is going to be a high-risk trade. If you have a lot of research and the charts are backing you up, you might decide to do the high-risk trade, okay? But the smart money does the pre-earnings move and gets out and then looks for a post-earnings play. Do you understand? It's high-risk trades to go through. Can be done, but you have to know up front it is a high-risk trade when you do that. Understand? Can be done. You have a lot of history. Charts are set up. You can step up there, but you got to know in advance it's a high-risk trade because anything could happen with that earnings release. Again, I told you, I've seen earnings come out, beat earnings, forecast well, and the stock tanks. I've seen them make earnings and forecast poorly, and the stock go up. I've seen all kinds of stuff happen coming out of earnings. You have to understand any trade you did instantly in front of that release has got to be a high-risk trade. Smart money plays from sometime in that window up to two hours before earnings is coming out, and they close that trade. And then they look to do other trades post-earnings coming out sometime during that six-week window of opportunity afterwards. And I'm not talking about hours afterwards. There are so many students get their butt kicked hours after earnings because they're trying to find, when I say post-earnings release, they're thinking I'm talking about some kind of pattern within the hours after earnings release, and I'm talking about within six weeks after earnings release as far as a post-earnings play goes. It's, again, the post-earnings play is a bigger chart process. Not a little chart process. Anything that would be working in hours would be a short chart trade. And short chart trades dramatically increase your number of losses. You got to think that through. You got to be aware of that. Earnings plays like this happen a lot. Moving up, going into earnings. Moving up, going into earnings. You can have them go down, going into earnings. You want to find a window of opportunity. This movement up into earnings for this stock. This is normal. This is normal movement going into earnings. It's normal in that quarter for that stock. It's normal for it to go up going into earnings. Normal. You're looking for that kind of a normal movement. You put those dates down. You put that date down in your 
calendar and when the charts are set up for that normal movement to take place, you step up and trade there. Everybody understand? Yes? Yes? Go back to the manual in the regular manual. What's it? What page is that? 80? Five-minute charting technique? Five-minute charting technique. Guess where the five-minute charting technique came from? Doing earnings research. Doing earnings research is where the, the technique itself came from. It says you must be watching live quotes and charts during market hours. Okay? So this is something that you have to be able to see the market during the day live in order to be able to do now, usually I get people in the room go, well, you know, I work 8 to 5. I wish you'd stop talking about stuff that I can't do because I work 8 to 5. Quit. Yeah. Until you quit, you can't do these. Don't worry about them. They're, they're fine, but don't worry about them. Until you quit, don't worry about them. But at the same time, you know, some of you work 4 to 12. Some of you work 12 to 8. Some of you are home all the time. Some of you have access to the market all the time, even though you're supposed to be on your job. You know, more and more students that have access to the market during the day at their job do less and less of their work. Happens all the time. You know, good people, you know, I, I don't hardly do any of my work anymore. I just kind of hide in my office and trade. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Number one. Watch the charts using the five-minute time frame. So it'll be a five-minute chart. Each candle will represent five minutes of time. Okay? Number two, watch your charting indicators. Not the candles, but the indicators. The most important thing on the charts are the indicators, not the candlesticks. Number three, make the play sometime between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. The closer to 4 p.m., the less chance of the play going against you before the close of the trading day. Number four, when the charts indicate a fat pitch or home run fat pitch, buy in the money call or put options based upon the direction of the charts. So this works up or down. Five, wait until the market closes, check on the last bid price, and place a GTC sell order. 50 cents to a dollar higher than that price. Basically, what we're assuming is the we're going to get into the trade sometime between, you know, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and that last part of the trading day is going to make up the difference between the bid and the ask price. And now, after the market closes, we're going to add 50 cents to a dollar to where we are at that point in time, and making basically 50 cents to a dollar profit is the projected target. Now, it says expect to be sold out of your position by 11 a.m., okay? Expect to be sold out of your position by 11 a.m. It says close the position by 11 a.m. or sooner. If the play is not working, you must have developed this discipline. Quite frankly, if it ain't working, you ought to be out as soon as the market opens up. Eight, this play usually works 15 out of 20 trading days. Three of the remaining five days will be losses, and the other two days you'll break even or possibly lose commissions. Now, we're going to explain this from eight backwards. First of all, it says um, it's going to be right 15 out of 20 trading days. Everybody understand? Now, I literally had a Rocky Mountain student come in to me one time and said, I did that. I did it for 20 days in a row. I only had three days where it worked. What do you guys say about that? My question was, 
How many days out of the 20 days were the charts set up correctly? Three. Okay. It was only supposed to work on those three days. Okay. The reality is what this says is if the charts are perfectly set up, it's going to be wrong 25% of the time. You understand? That's what it tells you. If everything is done perfectly, it's going to be wrong 25% of the time. You've got to know that up front. Done perfectly, it'll be wrong 25% of the time. Okay? Now, then I ask, did you do it 20 days in a row on the same stock? Uh-huh. That doesn't say that anywhere on this page either. Okay? There is, it's going to be very, very, very rare, probably never rare, okay, that it's going to be the same stock 20 days in a row. That just, I don't think it's ever going to happen. 15 out of 20 days, it will be right if everything is set up correctly, and it will in all likelihood never be 20 days on the same stock. You should understand that, okay? Now, says so close the position by 11 a.m. or sooner if it's not working. You've got to develop discipline. Expect to be sold out of your position by 11 a.m. What I'm about to tell you is profound. I was told it was profound, so I'm telling you it's profound. Okay. Um, on the, the CDs that we have, we have a student that is, uh, there are lots of students that are um, on the CDs by um, nickname. Very, very few are on their by name. It's a privacy issue more than anything else. But um, we have a student that's called the $20,000 man, and that's, that's not really a term of endearment. Um, it's how much money he lost trading real money while he was practicing. His wife doesn't think that's a good idea, and he doesn't either at this point, okay? But understand, he was in the back of the room one night, and when I made this statement, and he's the one that told me it's profound, so I'm just passing that along, okay? Because 90% of the time, the stock market hits its high for the day by a quarter to 12, 11.45, okay? 90% of the time, the stock market has hit its low for the day by a quarter to 12. Now, there are lots of times when the market closes at its high for the day or closes at its low for the day, but it will be hitting it for the second or third time. Now, 10% of the time, it is completely wrong, and it's going to set a new high or a new low sometime, you know, 10% of the time. But 90% of the time, by quarter to 12. Now, the $20,000 man... I mean, you used to never be able to find him without a chart. I mean, he had a chart with him. I mean, literally 24 hours a day he had a chart with him. And, you know, he was in the back of the room that night, and he had 45 days worth of five-minute charts. And for the rest of the class that day, he was looking through there, looking there, and he'd come up at the end of the class. He said, do you know that was one of the most profound things you've ever said? I said, what did I say? I didn't even know what he was talking about. He said, you know that, that quarter to 12 thing? I said, oh, okay, you know, whatever, you know. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, I have 45 days worth of five-minute charts. I said, okay. He said, that was right 
on 41 of 45 days. I said, I think that's pretty close to 90%. He said, yes. <laughs> Profound. Okay. Now, what does that mean to you with this trade? It, folks, this trade, if you ain't right, by 11, then the next 45 minutes, it ain't going to make it better. It's not going to make it better. I've, well, you know, I'm not right by 11. I've got 45 more minutes. No. If it ain't working, you get out right now. You know, it, it ought to be working already first thing in the morning. If it ain't, let's leave. Let's get out of this. Okay. Now, what we're doing with this, first of all, again, we want to use stocks that what? Move. We all want to, we want to trade in front of what? Known events. Okay. Now, that holds true across the board. Everything we're doing. True with this technique as well. One of the, um, the, the example I use, one of the first retired students in the Rocky Mountain area using this technique was doing a trade and the stock was doing a three for one stock split. He was watching Beezer Homes doing three for one stock split and He's watching that, chart set up correctly, 3.30, he entered the trade. Call options going up and bought 20 contracts, waited until 4 o'clock. The reason we wait till 4 o'clock before we put in our sell order is to give that stock time to make up the spread between the bid and the ask. Maybe a profit too, but, but that, we're trying to give it time to do that. And then we're going to add 50 cents to a dollar from that price. Okay? One of the reasons we do that is because sometimes it moves a lot. Not always, but sometimes. That particular stock gained $7 in the last 30 minutes. He put in a good till canceled up a dollar from that place. And as the market opened the next morning, within the first minute of the market open, he was sold out of his position for $8 more than he paid for it, times 20 contracts. That's $16,000, money in the bank. Figure he was in the trade 31 to 33 market minutes. Now, I'm not trying to suggest to you that that happens all the time. We're trying to make 50 cents to a dollar on these trades. But sometimes in that last part of the day, that stock takes off enough that you get a substantial profit, okay? It's not often, but sometimes. The goal here is to make 50 cents to a dollar. Now, let's, let's do some simple math here just to give you an understanding. We're going to assume that you guys are going to do these trades. Um, and we're going to say that you bought 10 contracts and make a dollar. Just make everybody's math easy. You buy 10 contracts, make a dollar. That's 1000 bucks. Everybody understand? Yes? Okay. And we're going to say that you're right the first 15 days in a row. So how much money are you up? $15,000. Everybody understand? Yes? yes? Okay. So we know that 25% of these aren't going to work. So the next three are going to be losses. We're going to assume that we lose the dollar per share instead of making a dollar per share. So now we're down to 12000 Everybody understand? Yes? The next two, it says you frequently just break even. But we're going to assume, since you're new at this, that you just suck at it. 
And, and so you're going to have losses on those two days for the dollar as well. So now where are you? 10000 for the month. And I know you all a little slow in Rocky Mount, but there are 12 of those a year. You know, per capita average income in this country is about $24,000. And that's 120000 right there. You know, being wrong 25% of the time. But still, $120,000. I've got students that make this brick regularly. Okay? They make this brick regularly. Nobody should do any five-minute plays as a constant diet, as their only diet. But there are plays that lend themselves to be done. There are stocks that lend themselves to be done frequently enough that you, this could be part of your, your plan putting together using this technique on a consistent basis, not necessarily every day, though. Okay. Now, I have a student, think, think this process through. Her job allows her to see the market the first hour to an hour and a half every given day. Okay? She, there's no question about that. She cannot see the market after that. Okay? In doing her research on this play, she's found a half a dozen stocks that 98% of the time could be purchased blind without seeing any charts sometime between 3 and 4 o'clock and sold the next day for a dollar to a dollar and a half profit sometime in the first hour and a half. 98% of the time you could do that. Can she do this technique even though she can't see the market during the end of the day? Yes. If what? If she, has the, if she can stand the 2% of the time when it's not going to be right and the discipline first thing in the morning when it's not being right to get out of that trade. Now, do you understand? If it was reversed, if she could see the market at the end of the day, but not first thing of the day, she couldn't do this trade? Because it's the exit that's got to be crucial there. Understand? It's working or it's not working, but you've got to get out of that trade. Do you understand? Because her research showed her that it happens 98% of the time, she can get in that trade blind because she absolutely can see the market the first hour and a half of the day. Everybody follow me there? Okay. As long as she can stomach the 2% of losses. As long as she can stomach the 2% of losses. Now, turn the page. goes to page 81 and tells you to go to page 151 in the appendix. This is an old chart. We don't even use the indicators at the bottom of this page anymore, okay? But what this is is a five-minute chart. Each candle represents five minutes of time. God bless you. Now, I've printed this off in a manner that you can see the end of one trading day on the left-hand side of the page and the end of a trading day on the right-hand side of the page. Left-hand side of the page, do you see the the 
two red candles and then we have a gap up to an inverted doji cross at the top of the Bollinger Bands. Everybody see that day? Yes? Okay. Now, if you had purchased the stock or the call options for that matter, the in the money call options uh, near the end of the business day there on one of those two red candles, would you have had a profit of 50 cents to a dollar by the time the inverted doji cross took place the next morning? Yes? Yes? Okay. Yes. Okay. 50 cents a dollar. Bang. Profit. Okay. Now, that would, that would have been getting in on the 28th of February going to the 29th of February. Everybody understand? Yes? Okay. Looking at the end of the day of the 29th of February going to March the 1st. If you had gotten in at the end of the day, any of those two candles at the end of the day, then you have four white candles on March the 1st. Four white candles. Boom, 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 boom. Up. Okay. If you'd gotten in at the end of the day buying in the money call options or the stock, could you have made 50 cents to a dollar the next day? Yes. Yes. Easy. Yes? Easy. Okay. Now, question to you. Pay attention to the 29th. That day of the 29th. When was the high of the day hit on the 29th? About the top of the wick of the very first candle. Yes? It was hit again right out. It came down, came right up and tested that again. But it never put in another high. Do you understand? Do you understand that first candle happened before quarter to 12? Understand? Yes? When was the low of the day on the 29th? What time? About some at 10:30, 10:45, somewhere in the neighborhood? Yes. You see it didn't didn't it wasn't lower any other time the rest of the day? Do you understand that was before quarter to 12 too? 90% of the time it's just the way it is. 90% of the time that's the way it is. Doesn't mean that, you know, it won't hit that high or hit that low again during the day, but 90% of the time, by a quarter to 12, you've seen the high and the low of the day, 90% of the time, okay? Now, five-minute play here at the end of either of these days would have worked. Now, usually people, well, the indicators didn't really help me there. You're right, they didn't. But we're going to talk about something else that this trade was actually done on if you will turn back to your manual and go to page 82. This is a, a historical pricing on Sun Microsystems at about that time. At the very bottom of the page, you should see two diagonal lines that my wife has graciously drawn for you from 82.938 up to 84.5, and then from 86.563 up to 86.688. Everybody see those lines? Yes? Okay. What you're looking at there is the closing price of one day to the opening price the next morning. Everybody follow me? Okay. What I want you to do, actually I'm not, I'm not just wanting, I demand that you do, okay, is draw those lines continuously up that column right there from the number on the left to the next higher number to the right all the way up the page. As you're drawing those diagonal lines up the page, pay attention to 
closing price to opening price. And I'm not going to ask you a number or a percentage, but just realize how many times or how often that closing price to opening price was 50 cents to a dollar higher as you go up that line. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay? 50 cents to a dollar high, 50 cents to a dollar high, 50 cents to a dollar high as you go up that line. Now, you go all the way up the line. Get them up there. Get them up there. You don't have to draw pretty lines. Just get them up there. Okay? Now, as you're doing that, let's think about this. As far as this technique goes, do we buy on the closing price of the day? No, we're supposed to be buying sometime during the last hour or two of the day. Everybody understand? So buying when the charts are right, that last hour of the day, it starts moving our direction. We're not buying just at the close. We're buying previous to the close, getting a rise, and then we're getting that additional bump the next day. Everybody follow me there? Now, you need to be aware of what we're doing here, how we're doing it, why we're doing it. The first hour of the trading day is known as amateur hour, okay? Amateur hour is, is, the amateurs are said to be in control of the market there because what takes place is amateurs, people that know nothing about what they're doing, they heard good news after the market closed yesterday or good news this morning they looked at the futures, were listening to the talking heads on CNBC, and they were talking about how good this stuff is. So they went online and put in orders to buy at the market, which we're not ever going to do. Or they called their brokers up and left messages on the broker, buy me this stock at the open, okay? And what the market makers do, and this always offends somebody and you should be offended because this is just the way it is. What the market makers do is they line all of those market orders up and they rape them one after the other in sequential order, okay? The next one worse than the first all the way along. And, you know, they're buying it to market, buying it to market, buying it to market. And that stock is going up and up and up and up. And they're buying, in, they're buying them in higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. The professionals aren't trading there. They're raping there. Once all of the market orders have been chewed up, the stock market comes back down. And now professional trading begins, usually somewhere around 10.30. That's why it's called amateur hour. The amateurs actually are controlling the action. They're getting killed, but they are still responsible for the action that takes place in that first hour of the day. Professionals are in control of the market the last hour of the day because the amateurs are at work. So what we're doing with this technique is seeing what the charts are doing, those five-minute charts are doing that last hour of the day, and we are jumping on the coattails of those professional traders. That thing is going up at the end of the day, we're going up with them. It's going down at the end of the day, we're going down with them. It is a common occurrence that what takes place the last hour of the day continues in the first 45 minutes of the next day, okay? common occurrence. So we're on the coattails of that, and that's how we're making our profits with this.
Plus, we're trading stocks that what? Move and in front of a known event in the first place. So we have all that stuff going for us. Now, what is the third thing we want to do to make money in the stock market? Trade with the what? Market. So I want to find five-minute plays that are going in the direction of the whole market. Good golly, those are easy to make money on. And it amazed me how many students go, well, you know, the whole market's going down, but I want to make some five-minute play money going up. Why do the hard stuff? Do the easy stuff. The whole market's going down. I want to go find a five-minute play going down. That's the easy money to make. I don't want to make the hard money. I want to make the easy money. I don't mind practicing the hard trade. We talked about the you know, practicing the sniper trade, doing the invasion force. That's fine. But with the five-minute play, I want to go find easy five-minute plays to make, not hard minute, hard five-minute plays to make. Now, I assume you got your lines all the way up. To the right of that first line that my wife drew for you, 84.5, next to that to the right, it says 87.938. Yes? Circle that number. Right above that, it says 86.688, and then it says uh, 86.813. Circle the 86.813, okay? And continually circling those numbers in that column all the way up. And what you're circling is the high of the day after the open. So we bought somewhere near the last hour of the day. We got whatever movement was going on that last hour of the day. We get whatever movement takes place in that first, the, the difference between the close and the open, plus the high of the day is usually achieved by what time? Quarter to 12. So we have all of this going for us for a potential profitable trade. Everybody understand? Yes? That's the five-minute play, folks. That's the five-minute play. Now, there's a retired couple, lives north of town, uh, retired because of taking this class. They, they had us out to their house not long after they had retired and, and said, we figured out what you do. I said, really? Well, tell me what I do. Well, we're going to wait until after dinner. Okay. Dinner's over with us. Now tell me what I do. They said, come into the trading room. Okay. Walked into the trading room. They pull up this stock. And they said, this stock here, you can buy it somewhere between 2, 3 o'clock every day. And you could, you could buy and sell the next day by 11 o'clock up 2 bucks a share. We figure you buy 40 contracts, make it $2. That's 4,000, I mean, it's 4,000 shares, $2, that's 8,000, times five days, that's 40,000 a week. Everybody understand? It's, that's what you do, isn't it? I said, no. He said, it's not. I said, no. They said, why not? I said, because that stock won't work every day, just most days. And they'll let you buy more than 40 contracts. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. Yeah. And your goal is to start with two contracts on whatever you do. Do you understand? Two contracts and 20 contracts and 200 contracts trade the same. Trade the same. Number of contracts, the money in the trade, 
varies, but the trade is the same. Your objective is to get good on a little bit. And when you get good on a little bit, two contracts, 20 contracts, 200 contracts, that's the same trade. It's the same trade. And you got to get juiced about that, but get good on the little. So that then you could just put zeros on the end of it. You know? The difference between, again, the two and the 200 is just the zeros on the contracts. The trades are identically the same. They are identically the same. The objective is to get good on a little so that you can make a lot when you can do a lot. That's the objective there. Okay. Next page in your manual says 83, says the slingshot. We're going to take about a 10-minute break, be sitting in your chairs in 10 minutes on the slingshot, page 83. The slingshot technique. The slingshot technique is another short chart trade, okay? You must be able to view live charts and quotes before and as the market opens. Slingshot trades, for all intents and purposes, are over by 11 o'clock. I mean, that's a long one by 11 o'clock, okay? So you must be using stocks that move well intraday. That means a consistent movement between the low and high of the day. It's got to have intraday volatility movement for doing a slingshot. Number one, it says check the futures chart just before the market opens. Look at the daily futures for a trend and especially the 55-minute futures to see if the potential exists for a slingshot. The 55-minute futures chart needs to be on either the upper or lower Bollinger Bands. If not, no slingshot. That's cut and dried as far as I'm concerned. If the 55-minute futures chart is at the top of the Bollinger Band, then it potentially exists for a slingshot. If the 55-minute futures chart is on the bottom Bollinger Band, the potential exists for a slingshot. If it's anywhere in the middle, there is no potential for a slingshot as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to go look for one. I'm not going to expect for one. And I don't care if there's one. It simply has to be potentially there for me to even consider looking for one. Now, think about this. The 55-minute futures, will say it's on the top of the Bollinger Band. It's probably going to be a white candle there. Okay, you know, it's been going up, it's been going up, future's been going up, talking heads all morning on CNBC. Oh, it's great news, market's been going, whoa, gonna be good. Pushing that band. The uneducated public that trade off of emotions, not intellect, are gonna hear the, oh, good news, I need to be buying. So they're going to be placing those orders to buy before the market opens. When that market opens, that stock is going to gap up outside of the bands. Stocks, there's no air to breathe for the stock outside the bands. Going to have to come back in. And that come back in is slingshot we're going to be playing there. Okay? Number two here. If the futures are indicating the potential for a slingshot, look for the market or individual stock to gap at the open above or below the Bollinger Bands on a three or five minute chart. 
the bands act like a slingshot and will likely shoot the stock back into the bands. It says, watch the three or five minute chart set on all sessions to see a reversal signal beginning to enter a trade. The best slingshots open outside the bands and continue further outside the bands with the first trades making a large three or five minute candle outside the band, white above or red below. Now let's think about this again. The future at the top of the bands, the uneducated public goes buying and that first candle opens and as they rate those market orders, pushes the stock higher. Everybody understand? And it's outside the bands and the candle is getting white and bigger and white and bigger and white and bigger and I'm going, go, 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 go! Because I'm going to buy putts. I want a white candle. I'm all putts. I'm, I'm so excited about the putts. Because it's outside the bands. And essentially, it's not, I, I don't really view it as outside the bands. I view it as it stretched the band around that candle. And when all those orders are done, putts. Now, uh, if you have Q charts, you could go back to December 2003 just to see this example that I'm talking about here. Very easy example to look up. You can go look up on briefing and on a news archive for December 2003 and find out when they caught Saddam. Okay? Happened in December. Okay? Over the weekend. You look the Five minute, you go on Q charts, five minute candles, go back to that date the following Monday after that weekend. Because the futures were sky high. Man! And I had new student after new student after new student email me, oh, gonna buy, gonna buy stock, gonna buy cars, oh, gonna be rich. And I had Veteran students and retired students email me. I don't even know how to do this on my email, but their whole email just said, Puts. that's all it said. Because that first candle opened way outside the bands, white as a driven snow. And it went up and it went up and it went up. And the veteran students and myself were going, and as soon as a wit formed, bang! We had puts. The second the puts, the second the wick formed, we had puts. The stock came down all day long. All day long. Huge gain. At the end of the day, the veteran students and myself closed puts and bought calls and sold them on Thursday after that. Go look it up. Your annual income was made by us that week, okay? Those two trades, you know? It was ridiculous money. It was, it was easy. It was outside the, there was no way in the world it was gonna stay outside the bands. No way in the world, you know? And, you know, last night, I got some of, them, some of them in here tonight that was in the RTP class last night, but, you know, we were going through stuff last night going, uh, you know, and it was slingshots, slingshots, slingshots. Hello, 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 hello. Obvious. They're going, easy money. 
Can't, can't live outside the bands. Can't live outside the bands. Can't live outside the bands. Easy money to make. Number three, I need to explain a little bit how I do number three with Q charts, the setup that I have. When the potential exists for a slingshot, which means the futures are at one band or the other, one extreme or the other, I have a workspace set up. I have the four 21-inch monitors, and I have on each monitor, I have it divided into, there's, there's two stocks on each monitor, that, but they're five-minute windows, okay? Five-minute five minute candle windows. One is set on all sessions. One is set regular, okay? And what I mean by that, if you turn back to the appendix, back to that Sun Microsystem chart, page 151 for just a second, If you look on the left-hand side, the end of the day on the 28th going to the 29th where it jumped up to that doji star or doji, inverted doji cross, okay? Do you see the gap that's there? That chart is set regular, okay? On a regular chart, you see the gap. From yesterday's closing price to this morning's opening price, you would see the gap that's right there. You can actually see a slingshot effect here to some degree. Think about this. That candle, that inverted doji cross that's there, opened and closed in that five-minute period on that horizontal bar. Everybody understand? But when there wasn't a wick at the top, what color was that candle? It was a white candle. Everybody understand? Okay. It was a white candle outside the band. Do you understand? The second that wick started falling, bang, I'm in that trade to make money coming down, okay? And even though it's only three candles, there can easily be a, a small profit there, okay? Now, sometimes, think about it. Engineers can always get this answer right. You pull a slingshot back and let the band go. How far can the band go? All the way to the other side. As, as far as you've pulled it this way, you can go that way. Do you understand? Okay? So, pew, pew. once it gets all the way that far, it's going to come back. Sometimes in some trading zones of the year on volatile stocks, you can do three trades. Bang, bang, bang. Slingshot trades. Okay? Outside the bands, down, back up and then back down. And you can actually see three trades here. The first one, down, wouldn't have been necessarily very much profit. The second one popped it up, probably would have been okay. And then the one down would have been significant. Bang, bang, bang. Three trades, bang, bang, bang. Slingshot, bang. This chart is a regular chart. Regular chart, you see the gap from yesterday's close to today's opening. You see the gap on this chart, yes? Okay. The all sessions chart, you wouldn't. There's pre-market trading and there's after hours trading, and the pre-market trading would have filled in that gap with five-minute candles. By having both of those charts there on my, on my workspaces, I got the four monitors, I have a five-minute chart. Uh, they're all five-minute charts all the way across. There's two, four, six, eight. At the top, eight at the bottom, eight windows, four on each 
16 monitor, uh, 16 windows, four per monitor, okay? I have a five-minute chart, all sessions, five-minute chart regular for a specific stock. Five-minute chart, five-minute chart, all sessions for a specific stock. Because think about this. When the futures are set up for a potential swing stock, do you see how fast it was on this, on this chart? You don't have time to go find one. You got to be knowing what you're going to look at. So when the futures are set up for the potential of a slingshot, I can pull up my slingshot workspace and I've got all of these stocks that I know move well intraday. I don't have to go find them. I already know these move well. So I can pull that up and I can see which one is actually set up the best for a slingshot. That's one I'm going to trade. What if none of them are? Then I'm not going to do a slingshot because I don't have time to go find them. They're either there or they're not there. It's such a fast trade. You've got to be all over the top of it. You're using short charts. And bang, 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 get in and out of those trades. It isn't about making a fortune. It's about making a brick. But it's a fast brick here. It's a fast brick here. The two charts, one lets you see the gap. The other one, because the candles are filled in, your indicators are already starting to turn over as the wick is forming on the other chart. Bang! In the trade. In the trade. Beauty of, one of the beauties of having Q charts is being able to see those two side by side. One set on all sessions and one set regular. Seeing the gap on one, seeing, without seeing the gap on the other, seeing the, the indicators forming the trade on one as the wick is forming on the other and having the trade and entering the trade. It's a fast trade. It's a fast trade off of a short chart. I have students all the time that see the potential set up for a slingshot, and then they scour everywhere looking for one, and by the, oh, here was one. Because it's over with already. Over the course of time, you should know stocks that move intraday. As you can see the market during the day, you need to know, okay, it's set up for the potential slingshot. I need to be looking at this stock, and it's either going to be one or it's not. Doesn't matter if there was one on a different stock. You don't have time to scour them, okay? So pick your potential plays over time because they move well. When the potential sets up for a slingshot, you look them up to see if they're there. If they're not, they're not. Don't worry about it. Just do your regular trading. Okay? If they're there and you're there, you can do slingshot trade on those. You can do slingshot trade on those. Back to your manual. Go to page 84. It says, buy or short the stock or purchase in the money call or put options. Immediately use a GTC order to close your position for a small, fast profit. 50 cents. We're looking for a little profit here. We're not looking for a fortune. We're not looking to make a house. We're looking to make a brick. Now, it says in the money option. Anytime you're doing intraday trading, Anytime you're doing intraday trading on anything, you got to buy in the money. You got to make sure you're buying in the money. And 
One or two, with two being preferred there in the money, because you'll capture today's move. You're talking about such a small movement. You got to capture today's move. Too many people, they don't realize because you're going to be in the trade for such a short period of time, you've got to capture today's move instantly. And the in the money option is going to do that. And one or two, two frequently will be the preferred choice there. Five. You must be aware it is usually easier to buy and sell stock in a summertime trading zone in a bearish market than to do options. Okay? Now, does it say you only do options uh, if it's not the summer? No. It says in a summertime bearish market. In a summertime bearish market, it's easier to do stock than options. That doesn't mean in the summer you don't do options. In a summertime bearish market, you want to do stock, not options. Because the market is so thin, it's easier to make money there. Now, six, the selection of stocks to do options on in any market or trading zone must be done carefully for this technique. A stock must have enough normal intraday movement to make up the spread on the option and still make a small 50 cent profit. The asterisk. A slingshot that sets up to go in the most likely direction of the general market, that is the prevailing trend, is generally the most successful. Let's think about this. Trend going down. Good news comes out. Stock spikes up outside the top bulge bands. When that starts coming down, the trend is already going down. The market is already going down. So as it starts selling off, people are going to bail out very quickly. Oh, it was just a news. Easy to make money. It's easy to make money going with the prevailing trend. And that's on everything that we do, folks. That's why we have a trend chart, decision chart, action chart. And if we're going with the trend, we are what kind of a trader? invasion force. If we're going against it, we're a sniper. Well, the most stupid thing in the world to be is a sniper on a slingshot. Think about it. Send a sniper into battle with a slingshot. <laughs> Please. Next page. 